What's up, gang? Andrew Cooper here. This is Quick Out Fantasy Football, and I'm sure you've noticed by now, no Johnny Impemba here. Uh, John Impemba, taking some time, our sweet Johnny, to do some fantasy baseball stuff, do some basketball stuff. So I took the initiative to do a little dynasty talk because Johnny doesn't like the dynasty. He doesn't really play it. So I'm bringing on my friends to take over the show today. Dave Kluge of Football Guys. Dave, what's up, brother? Uh, not too much. Thanks for having me. What a downgrade going from Johnny to me. I apologize to the listeners. Well, you're going to have to tough it out, man. You're going to have to step it up with no Johnny here. So, yeah. This no, is dynasty yeah. season, though, man. This is what it I is. love talking about this time of year. This is, a, I feel like, the most crucial point of the season because everybody has their blinders on from the previous year. There's so much recency bias to take advantage of. This is when I'm just firing off trades nonstop. The best. The best, right? Like, And, and he, here's the time where you can do so much speculating about free agency. There's so much mm-hmm. leverage. You know, there's so... They, I, this truly is honestly my favorite part of the year because you and, and I can see why you would be the same way because we love speculating. We love the deep nuance and all that. So you don't really get that with the base level fantasy football, yep. right? This, this I is the right I said this stuff. just a few days ago. I said that I was like, this is my favorite time of the year. And they're like, what do you mean? Like football ended. And I'm like, this is the best time of year. <laughs> People are so weird about it, dude. It's, but you know what? You and I both Reddit guys to some degree uh, hanging out over there and, you know, immediately the attitudes over there shift where you see people being like, Oh, the season's over. Like they, they don't care about, they don't care about playoffs, dude, playoffs, playoffs. It's all about fantasy football. And that's where it is here. Uh, so thank you guys for hanging out in the chat. We see Jack. Uh, we got any coop here. She's liking your voice. That's my aunt, dude, big Rams fan. So just for the record, if she's in the chat, you have to say nice things about the Rams you have to say nice things about Jared Goff. You think you can handle that? I, I can do it. We're going to talk some Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua because I got nothing but good things to say about those. Yeah, two. We, we can talk about whatever you want. Here's what I want it to be for uh, for the show for the offseason. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to come on every Wednesday, do quick outs. We're going to talk about the news that affects Dynasty. So we're not really going to – you know what? We have plenty of shows where we talk about the playoffs, where we talk about the Chiefs and Taylor Swift and all that. On this show, we're going to talk about the news that affects Dynasty – then the second segment, I'm gonna. I want to know about your process a little bit because we got a lot of sharp gamers in here, so they don't necessarily always just want to know. Oh, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. We're gonna get to that too, but we want to hear what you do to help you kind of get an advantage. So we'll get to that. You know, then I'll give you some debates, some very close guys. And honestly, I picked a lot of these guys based on issues I'm having with my rankings. So I'm gonna let you settle that. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, one tight end versus one tight end, one wide receiver versus one wide receiver. And then if we have time at the end, we'll pull up a, a recent dynasty mock draft and kind of do a little mock the mock. Does that sound good to you, Chloe? Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right, man. I want to bounce some notes off you from the news then, real quick. Things that could affect dynasty and you being a Bears fan. Uh, first things first. Shane Waldron. He's been announced as the offensive coordinator as the Bears. Kind of a big name, an interesting name. Uh, in this space as of late. So what do you think with uh, Shane Waldron as a Bears fan? I think it's a great hire. I think Shane Waldron was probably the best offensive coordinator available. I'm surprised he didn't get more head coaching interviews. I thought that he had kind of earned that right after what he did in Seattle. But uh, I kind of joked around yesterday on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this or not, Coop, that it's kind of a a Rorschach test among Bears fans. I feel like Bears fans see... What they want to see, you know, I'm seeing some people just like, oh, they brought in Shane Walder and that means Justin Fields is coming back. And then I see another half Bears Twitter saying, well, this means they're drafting Caleb Williams. And I, I don't really know how you can look at this 
signing, this hiring, and see that it means Justin Fields is coming back. You know, Shane Waldron kind of had his picking of just about any OC job that he wanted. And it's a tough sell to say, hey, come here and teach Justin Fields his third offense in four years on the last year of his rookie contract. It's a much easier sell to say, hey, you want to come here and coach Caleb Williams for the next four or five Exactly. Years. And I've been kind of looking through to see if I can find any quotes that indicate one way or another. I don't know where people nope. – because I've, I've been seeing it too, right? The the uh, you know the two sides saying different things, man. Like obviously if they brought in Cliff Kingsbury, then that means Caleb Williams immediately, right? right? So, I mean, like I think some people are jumping off that, but I'm with you, man. It doesn't give us any information one way or another. Do you think there's any world where they – draft Caleb Williams and don't immediately let go of Justin Fields and kind of let him hash it out. Is that a, is that a real possibility? So I, I think it makes sense. And I was actually on with Cecil Lammy yesterday. We were on a WFAN on the fan talking over the radio. And he said that he's hearing from a lot of his sources around the league, that that's what they plan to do. Spicy. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you look at the data, like, you know, you don't want to sell low on a guy like Justin Fields who has shown promise. You also don't want to trade out of one-on-one for a potentially generational type of player like Caleb Williams. But there's more than just added numbers that go into it. There's an emotional aspect to this. And we've already heard a lot of the team leaders in Chicago, DJ Moore, Jalen Johnson, these big names in the locker room are rallying behind Justin Fields. So then you run the risk of splitting the locker room where you got, you know, right. supporters over here and Caleb Williams supporters over here. But also like, you know, maybe Caleb Williams isn't going to be ready week one and you can kind of ease him in with a guy like Justin Fields who knows the team. And then best case scenario, if they aren't getting what they want on the trade market near the draft, then they wait until October, wait till the trade deadline when the team's desperate. And then maybe you get a first round pick for Justin Fields. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, dude, quarterbacks are they're so coddled compared to other positions. We don't do this at any other position. Yeah. At quarterback, it's like, oh, we have to find a nice home for for JP Rosen. You know, we we need we need to find a nice place for this guy to go. We need Trey Lance to find a nice landing spot. If this were defensive ends who go first overall or second overall all the time, it's it's more it's like in uh you know in uh Batman where he breaks the pool stick and he's like, okay, this one spot here, you know what I mean? Like, why every other position you have to they have kickers in there kicking you know back to back to back and they say they just point they say you're cut because you you hit five and he hit four right but at quarterback we have to treat them like it's a totally different world no it's okay to have competition i i love to see that man so that, that is what i want to see uh, well actually technically as a patriots fan i want to see you guys draft somebody completely different and <laughs> let one of caleb williams or jake may fall to us uh real quick on that front uh do you have a take on who goes if they take caleb williams who goes second whether it's uh, Daniels or Drake May or uh, as a Patriots fan, I'm just trying to say like whoever we get, I'm, I love them, you know? So did you see the study that I did recently about uh number one overall picks quarterbacks drafted at number one overall, and then quarterbacks drafted at two through five and two through 10. This actually really surprised me. Cause I thought, you know, like the Patriots were in a great position sitting at three, just you don't have to make the decision, right. you know, take whoever falls into your lap. That always seems like the smart thing to do. But when I actually looked at the numbers, it's, bad. it's not even close. It's bad. Like, it dude. Is, yeah. Like, I, so I, I kind of looked at some different thresholds, you know, 4,000 yards passing in a season, 30 touchdowns in a season, winning a playoff game, five plus years as a starter, going to a Pro Bowl, all these sorts of things. A guy drafted number one overall is almost three times more likely to hit all of those thresholds than a guy drafted anywhere else inside the top 10. And like, we remember the Patrick Mahomes and we remember the Josh Allen and we remember the Tim Couches and, and the Jamarcus Russells right. and the big bust. But at the end of the day, 
those guys that typically go at the top of the first round, if you're not QB1 in your class, the likelihood of being a franchise player is so, so, it's so true. thin. I mean, literally, the difference from like a guy drafted fifth overall is almost no different than a guy drafted 25th overall. Once you get outside of the number one overall pick, it is pretty flat across the first round. It's crazy. And the thing is with the, you know, with the recency bias, everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, CJ Stroud, you should still have drafted Young ahead. Because, I mean, most times it's more like the guy that goes one is Peyton Manning. The guy that goes two is Ryan Lee. And once you get outside of the first round and especially the second round, it gets real bad. I was looking at it the other day. The best third round quarterback drafted in 40 years statistically is Russell Wilson. The second best, Matt Schaub. Right? Oh. Yeah, I mean, you can. It's like an argument can be made for Chris Chandler to be second, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? Like it doesn't. So yeah, it is pretty crazy there. Uh, other news here: uh, Brian Johnson out as OC, and I'm just gonna throw some news at you here, and uh, you just grab whatever jumps out at you. So Brian Johnson out as offensive coordinator in Philly. Tom Telesco, formerly of the Chargers, now named the Raiders GM. Uh, Bengals. Uh, offensive coordinator Brian Callahan said to be the Titans' new offensive coordinator. Uh, Joe Barry out as defensive coordinator of Green Bay. Anything there that you look at and for fantasy football purposes, you're like, all right. Uh, I think we talked Brian Johnson out of Philly because we saw a pretty significant fall off in Jalen Hurts' production this year. And yeah, I think that's going to be one of the hottest topics this offseason. I mean, Jalen Hurts was like the hot topic two offseasons right. ago, and then he kind of shushed the haters, and now here they are bubbling back up again um, and they're back yeah and I, honestly I don't, I don't, I'm not a Jalen Hurts hater by any means but I think we maybe did get a little over our skis last offseason saying you know he's in the Josh Allen the Patrick Mahomes tier I don't know if he really deserves to be up there and we saw what he looked like without Shane Steichen he was also dealing with an injury so we can chalk some of it up to that as well but now we're looking at the potential retirement of Jason Kelsey which really hurts their ability with a tush push that gives him so much of his fantasy value so I think there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, obviously, Brian Johnson wasn't the best play caller. It was pretty predictable. But then we also hear from the other side of the ball. We've got defenders like Nick Bosa coming out and saying, we put out the blueprint on how to stop Jalen Hurts. Other teams are going to follow it. And from that game onward, everybody kind of did the same thing. They took those rushing lanes out of the middle, and Jalen Hurts was not the same guy we saw over the last couple of seasons. That happens, man. That, I remember that happened with Jared Goff and the Rams, where remember Jared Goff was getting the play calls in his ear. So yep. teams started switching up the defenses right before the snap. And mm -hmm. then, you know, that kind of was a downfall there. Sorry, Coop. I knew whoever, I said we weren't going <laughs> to talk trash about Jared Goff. We lasted about five minutes. We were all rooting for Jared Goff on it, Coop. So uh, don't worry about that. But yeah, I mean, it is very interesting. And I will say, funny thing about, you know, you mentioned that Jalen Hurts, however, was down on him, then they were up. Uh, they was circulating the picture of all three of Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Tua in the locker room yes. a couple of years ago, and everyone's uh -huh. like, "Look at this!" And now, now someone just sent me that picture, and I was like, "Man, that the thoughts about that picture have changed pretty drastically, haven't they?" Not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one of as far as actual news that's in place, Zach Ertz to the Lions. Do we care? Do we bet anytime touchdown? Doesn't matter. Ah, uh, kind of, kind of weird. I mean, it, it, it's weird. always weird to me when you see these like two games before the Super Bowl, you're just bringing in a veteran, like a talented veteran at that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like if this happened like in the off season, I'd say like, oh, this is cool. Maybe somebody that can like mentor Sam Laporta and take him to the next level or something. But is he even going to be up to speed playing in this game? No, I think what's going on here Good is, is yeah, Brock Wright got hurt. 
Right. That, well, that's it. Sam Laporta has the knee that he's kind of been yeah. dealing with, right? And they're just saying, okay, if something happens here, he's such an important part of our offense, we have to have somebody hanging out here. So I think that's what it is. I mean, I don't yeah. think he's going to play much. So uh, rumors real quick before we get to the, the next topic here. Uh, John Harbaugh seems close to being the Chargers hire. I was hearing I, I was hearing that they're at the salary stage, Poogie. So which yeah. means that they've actually already said, let's do it, and it's a matter of money. Uh, I'm hearing Belichick losing momentum to the Falcons, Arthur Smith apparently back on the block, which is kind of a nightmare. And then uh Alvin Kamara could be a cap casualty, but I mean that that one speaks for itself. But as far as Harbaugh to Chargers, Belichick, Arthur Smith, what do you think, man? Anything, I mean. Harbaugh, I love. I'll tell you this. I love Jim Harbaugh, man. Like, oh yeah, just the quotes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, um, and I think you know that's one way to lure a guy out of a cushy college job is hey, you get to come out here and fix Justin Herbert or Justin Herbert who's shown a ton of potential. So I get it. I understand why he'd want to go there. I think the one that doesn't surprise me all that much is Bill Belichick. I never really understood the the Bill Belichick steam to Atlanta. Yeah. That's going to be 72 years old. Like, I, I, what, what are you doing if you bring in Bill Belichick? Like, getting maybe two or three years? I think it's pretty obvious that what Bill Belichick wants is the all-time coaching record, which is two mediocre seasons away from getting it. And, like, who wants to bring – I don't know. I don't know. He's, chasing, he's, he's chasing Shula. He's chasing yeah. Shula. I think the my opinion on Belichick of where – what teams could use him the most – would be teams that need a separation between ownership and operations, right? Because yeah. he can block that all out and he can prevent that. So like if you're a team like the Panthers with Dave Tepper or Ursay or Jerry Jones or, 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 or Dean Spanos, or actually a lot of teams, actually, a lot of teams have ownership that I think need to shut up, right? And, and not be standing at field level. Those teams, for culture purposes, I think could help having Belichick. But like, if you're bringing Belichick in, I think you have to have a plan, like a Tom Coughlin plan, where you know he's going to like become like the president of operations or or some other non hands on. Like Pete Carroll, same thing, you know, coach right. and then go into a, an executive type of role. Yes, but exactly he, that. Real quickly, the Arthur Smith thing. Are, are we going to be justified if and when we panic when he signs with the team? Like, let's say Ben Johnson leaves for a head coaching gig and Arthur Smith goes to Detroit. Are we panicking for Amandra St. Brown, Sam Laporta, and Jameer Gibbs? No, like, so are we going to uh, see Josh Reynolds be a featured part of the offense and Craig Reynolds get like, what happens if he goes to a team like that? Well, that's why I, would, I think, depending on the team, I would worry. Like, if he, yeah. if Arthur Smith went to your Bears and it's another situation where you, where you have one wide receiver, because who do you guys even have after DJ Moore? Like Tyler Scott? DJ Moore and whoever they drafted nine. Valus Jones. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, though. But, but th- that's what happened with the Falcons is that, he crafted this offense that was all fullback and and clunky tight ends and one wide receiver and no team was doing that except them and it didn't work. So if he goes to a team that has stuff in place, I'm not going to worry too much about it. But I really don't want to see that brand of football anymore. It's just you know it's so it's gross and it's bad for fantasy and therefore bad. For it's kind of fun, but yeah, it's bad for fantasy. Right. It's yeah. I, I do John like Johnny Smith is fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. I do like seeing teams do unique things but unique in ways that are good for fantasy not not unique and boring and whatever uh but anyway that's it for news let's get into this uh this next topic here this is what i really wanted to have guys like you on because you're kind of an open book man like you you tweet you tweet how you feel what you want to say and you're willing to share your process and you're willing to share your mistakes which is great so that's why i always 
gravitate towards guys like you where I can say, so like, this is kind of, uh, you know, where I want to go is have you kind of spell out what your, you know, what your process is. First thing I want to ask you is what, what's your calendar like for the year? Because I know it's very different from, from one person to the next. Like if you ask a Devi guy, like I know Devi guys are in the weeds right now. They don't even watch. (laughs) I know some Devi guys that don't even watch like NFL football. They just like, they're all they care about is, is being first. Right. And, and doing all the other stuff. And then their Devi teams, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, if it pays off, that, well, then it does. But like, what's your schedule like now? Like, do you get deep into free agency at all? Or do you kind of go right into dynasty? Like, where, 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 where's your head at? So, full disclosure, I'm pretty much coasting this time of year. This is the time of year Good. after the regular season ends until the end of the Super Bowl. I just want to enjoy football as a fan. I love football. I want to watch the, the, the playoffs as a fan. I'm betting stupid eight leg parlays every single weekend and I'm not trying to you know get deep in the weeds and all that. This is the time of year where I want to be a fan of the game. I'm going back to Chicago, my hometown for the Super Bowl. Uh, fr- family's throwing a big Super Bowl party. So I'll get to see some friends and family and hang out and do all that sort of stuff. As soon as the Super Bowl ends, that's when I get you know, hard back into work. And that's when I start my rookie processing and all that. And that's a a mix for me between film and analytics. So I can talk pretty surface level on the rookies right now, but I'll really dive in deep after the Super Bowl. Um, This time of year, though, I I, I do like to take a breather. You know, Coop, you can attest to it. It, It's tough in the regular season. You know, I'm doing five shows a week now in the regular season, (laughs) writing two articles a week on top of that. I've got to do my rankings. You know, there's so much happening in the season, and it's such a grind that I do like to take a little bit of of a breather when the regular season ends. Uh, But then we get into the rookie stuff, and um, then I'll also do some free agency trackers and whatnot. But this time of year, like I said, we do five episodes a week in season. I'm only doing one episode a week right now. Um, after the draft, we'll ramp up to two episodes a week. When rookie camps start, we get to three episodes a week. And then by August, we're doing five episodes a week again. But I think it's important to kind of pull back a little bit right now. So keeping my dynasty rankings fresh, waiting to get into rookies. And then we take a look at free agency when all that starts to roll out. Yeah, I try to do it that way, but it's behind the scenes. I'm still kind of like tinkering with stuff. Like I have a bunch of articles ready to be posted that I just kind of was like, you know, what? I might as well get a head start on this. But I'm with you. You got to take a little time. I've definitely been enjoying time with my daughter, especially mm-hmm. during these couple of weeks here. People don't realize it's funny that that's how it works for us. Like they don't realize that our downtime is the playoffs because yep. there's no fantasy. Because once you know the 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 calendar, the way it dictates, like there's less than 30 days from the Super Bowl until the legal tampering period. That's right. that day deals are announced and we're back on the clock, mm-hmm. man. Like mm-hmm. Howard Bender, who does multiple sports or John and Pemba, especially for this show, who does basketball and all this stuff. He has two days off. We joke the day before and after the MLB all-star break where there's, those are like the two days there's yeah. no sports, right? Like uh-huh. it is crazy. So you got to take advantage of it when you can. I say, this uh, is my downtime, but here I am on a show with you today. I know, I, I recorded know. an episode on Monday, and I was up in <laughs> Denver doing a radio show yesterday, and I was doing WGN Sunday night. Like, it's still, I'm doing Thanks. something every single day, but it's still, even doing, you know, an hour or two of content a day is very different than what I'm doing in season. In season, right? Like, in season on Tuesdays, I get up at, you know, eight in the morning and I work until midnight because the rankings got to be out. You know, mm-hmm. there's no pushing back the waivers, right? During the season, the, you know, if you think your deadlines at work are hard and in and solid, try having uh, you know, your deadline be the kickoff of an NFL game because there's no reaching out to them being like, Hey, can you just hey, push this back? Push back, yeah. <laughs> can, can we push, push back? back these nine games, please? Can we, can we push Thursday night football back a little bit? Like, no, 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 no. The the deadlines are set in stone in advance for us. Uh so 
let me ask you, this is, and this, you can go anywhere you want with this question, open-ended type question, but in dynasty, right? Like everybody has their own things that they do. They have their own processes, you know, like for instance, you and I are not real big Debbie guys. So we kind of wait for all the pieces of the puzzle to be in, right? Like you can, you can watch film now, but you don't have the combine. You don't have even, you know, the draft capital and the draft narrative and stuff. Right? But like, it, yeah. it's it's super important you know none of my jobs are beating daniels let's see where they go and then i'll yeah. let you know who i want better yeah dude people hate when you say that people hate that they hate <laughs> it right care. i don't care either. i don't care either yeah people but they hate it because they put in there's so many people out there that put in so much work before the draft that they hate mm-hmm. the idea that draft capital does matter but it does matter so everyone is gonna landing spots gonna, matter draft capital matters Turns out these guys getting paid millions of dollars as NFL scouts and GMs are pretty good at their job and I'll let them do some of the work for me. Exactly, dude. (laughs) Exactly. So, but anyway, as far as getting an advantage, what's something that you feel either historically or just in general helps you get an advantage or just get in the right mindset? And this can be anything from like type of players you target, uh, trade angles you take, scouting tips, stats you look at. Like, what's what's a little something you can give to our listeners where they say, "Oh, you know what? That actually makes sense. I'm gonna keep an eye on that." No, I try to look at the leaders in fantasy points and see the guys who probably don't belong to be atop those leaderboards. And those are the guys that I'm trying to trade. And you know, people are gonna see, "Wow, this guy finished as wide receiver eight. I want him on my team." But try to look outside of just the. Uh, the, the the finish alone and see where you can kind of pivot off of that. I think Nico Collins is a great example. I love Nico Collins. Absolutely love him. I've been telling my listeners and my followers to go out and get Nico Collins for years, but what he did this year, I think that's kind of his peak. I don't think mm. Nico Collins is going to be able to replicate year after year what we saw this season. So that's a guy where I'm trying to trade down from Nico Collins, get a guy who I believe to be a safer asset. And if I can add a pick or more assets on top of that, I'm trying to do that. Another thing I try to do right now is buy injured players because... Yes. We have goldfish, goldfish brains. You know, we we see what we saw a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, and can't really see beyond that. Last year, as soon as the season ended, I was buying as much Brees Hall as I could in every single league and paid off pretty well. This year, I'm trying to go after J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers, and there's risk there. You know, maybe these guys can't bounce back from their injuries. Maybe they do, but either way, I'm buying them and willing to acquire them for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, bingo. I mean, it's worked so many times, man. Especially the moment I see people on Twitter start saying like, oh, he's burned me before, never again. Then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Because we got that great years from Dalvin Cook, great years from Joe Mixon. Because people, you know, oh, he burned me before. That's the dumbest take, dude. Like every year is a new year. Evaluate it new and fresh each year. And I, the what you're talking about is so hard to do in theory the idea of like, oh man, my guy had a great year. I got to give him to somebody else. Right. But it makes all the sense in the world. If you, and and a lot of time, this is very difficult because it is a gut feel thing, but you know, you can feel it. I feel all the time with my players. I look at them and I'm like, man, Evan Ingram is my boy. He had 19 more catches than any other tight end this year. And I'm like, Gotta move is, off him. Uh, I know, I was, man. I, I was doing like, that with Debo Samuel two years ago. I know. You know Debo hurts. Samuel, I was touting him. He smashed, and then I said, well, it's time to move off. And I'm doing it with Nico Collins now. You know, I was touting him, had a huge year, and now I'm trying to pivot off of him. Kyron Williams is a guy right now who had a great fish in. Andy Coop, if you're in the chat, I'm sorry, but I'm trying to trade my right. Kyron Williams shares right now. If I could flip Kyron Williams for Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, guys that I believe to be safer, better long-term assets, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. 
got to dude and you got because you gotta again you have to be real careful because we've seen it time and time again like sometimes it's not the player but the situation i mean mm-hmm. tyler Ty- philip Lindsay, tyler algier damian pierce my goodness with damian pierce like you got to be very careful with that stuff so yeah uh that's where that's where we're at uh, i had a question for you but yeah it's uh, the next question I had for you. I don't know if it's really even going to be super applicable because you're not doing it right now, but maybe coming up, uh, what's your favorite piece of like dynasty related or off season content that, sh- that you do. So I know you're kind of right now doing a little, a little, uh, you know, award season tour, right. You're yeah, kind of just yeah. hanging out, doing a little radio, doing a little quick out. Uh, but when it does get back to the nitty gritty content, what's, what's something that you really like doing in the off season? So I basically spent an entire month fine-tuning my dynasty rankings right after the Super Bowl, yeah. and so along with my rookie stuff. And every single week, I kind of focus on a different position, and then I write an article where I lump together all of my tiers, and then I rank inside those tiers. So I start off with wide receivers, then I do running backs, then I do quarterbacks, then I do tight ends, and I put these guys in similar buckets, and it's a great exercise for me. Because I, I, I'm a strong believer in trying to trade back inside tiers and acquire more assets. So I will lump all these guys together. You know, you've got, and I haven't done it yet, so I'm just completely spitballing here. But you know, you talk about like your your creme de la creme, the best of the best wide receivers. Your 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 Justin Jefferson, your CD Lamb, your Jamar Chase, your Monra St. Brown. So I put those guys in one bo- bucket rank them inside there, kind of explain what you should be looking for trade value-wise for each of these guys. But then I'm also a strong believer in trying to trade back. So like last year, I was recommending if you've got Jamar Chase, I don't see a huge gap between Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb. So if you can flip your Jamar Chase for CeeDee Lamb and get a second-round pick on top of it, that's money right there because you're acquiring more assets and you're not making a huge difference. And now, of course, Joe Burrow got hurt and Jamar Chase got hurt, but CeeDee Lamb smashed this year. So anybody that was able to trade back from Jamar Chase and get a CeeDee Lamb with picks on top of that is feeling pretty good about that. So that's a process that, like I said, takes me about a full month where I go through each position one week at a time, but that's my favorite thing that I do in the off season. Now, once training camps start, then we get a little bit more into that's that's when the redraft switch kind of flips, and I have a lot of fun then. Then I do these deep dives, these individual player spotlights where I'll spend two or three days just diving deep on one player, right? Fifteen hundred to two thousand words on a single player, range of outcomes, all that. That's fun, but that's still way, way, way right down now, the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that's I mean. It- that's the part of this game again very difficult things to do and that's why you got to look to somebody like yourself for those type things and again you have you have to block out the noise of the people out there that are trying to they're trying to stay too attached to their process and certain things and their notions that like okay i can truly differentiate between these guys and these guys within this tier or i can you know truly create something through the draft for you if you can create extra values and give yourself extra chances then that's that's the way to rock and roll right like we know to a certain degree that it's gonna be random right like Nikhil harry can be the 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 most can't miss guy and he can miss right Corey davis was no one out there was saying Corey davis is not good Find me the person that was saying that. Nobody was saying that. So, like, you have to try and give yourself as many chances as possible. And sometimes, you know, there's not a big difference from one guy to the next. So it is important it is to those, give yourself those really shots. The, the really polarizing guys are the guys that we spend so much time discussing because – 
you know what? We already talked about Nico Collins. You know, a guy, year three breakout, had been a seven-point-per-game producer for his first two seasons, and now all of a sudden is putting us, you know, giving us elite wide receiver one production. That's a guy that's going to be really polarizing because we don't know what to make of a situation right. like that because he's not following normal trends. Puka Nakua, a fifth-round rookie who is just smashing records his rookie season, but he's also tied to a guy like Matthew Stafford, who we've seen turn Kenny, Do- Kenny Galladay into a stud. And we saw turn Golden Tate into a stud. And we saw him make Cooper Cup the most valuable wide receiver in fantasy history. These are the guys that I think you really need to have some sort of take on. Like, are you buying into it? Is right. Puka Nakua a top five dynasty wide receiver? Or is he a guy you're trying to get out from underneath on? Is Nico Collins a top 10 guy? Or is he somebody you're trying to trade back and flip into a safer asset? And those polarizing players are the guys that can really make or break your season going into next year. Right. And that's the thing, it, especially with these guys that are outliers, because it's so easy to just pull out the guys that hit and say, oh, yeah, of course he can, you know, Puka Nakua can be good because Stephon Diggs was good and he was a fifth round pick and Tyreek Hill was good and Amon Ross St. Brown as a fourth round pick was good. But when you, you really. You and I were both wrong on Amonra. I'm not trying to put you on blast. I'm taking accountability myself. I well, was wrong on Amonra. After his rookie right. season, I said, this is unsustainable. Yeah. He can't keep doing this, and he keeps doing it. He and keeps doing I it. I well, sold Amonra St. Brown shares after his rookie season and egg all over my face for it. Well, the thing is, though, when you do the math on it, like you go back and look at the articles that say, like, okay, here are the guys I'm selling. And Amon Ross St. Brown is in there. People kill you for that. But mm-hmm. in articles like that, like I was writing articles like that, and in those articles was – Darnell Mooney and Gabriel Davis and Jacoby Myers. And if you sold all of them, there's a chance that, okay, you you lost one guy that turned out really good, but you could have gotten back so much more. I mean, like guys like Chris Godwin were going like the third round of rookie drafts, all the Terry McLaurin, like you could have all these better, you know what I mean? Like it, and if you, when you really break it down, there's so many more guys that end up being Quincy and Nunwa than end up being Puka Nakua, you know what I mean? Like they both have cool names, but it doesn't always work out like that. So you have to, when you really boil it down, it's like a 5% hit rate. So the fact that you did hit, now you have a decision to make, but that doesn't mean that now you're the wide receiver whisperer that can just next year also invent the next guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because there probably isn't a next guy. Yeah. There's not going to be a fifth round rookie who breaks records next year. Exactly. It's like the worst thing that can happen for that type. It's like going to the casino and hitting big and thinking that now that's going to happen every time. Right, or hitting on a scratch ticket. Like you hit on the scratch ticket, you cash it out and you don't play again. That's that. If you can do that, then I have no problem with you hanging on to Puka Nakua. Go right ahead. Right. But if you're just going to be that person that continues to gamble like that, the house is going to win. So, and I think that's uh, one of those prime situations where you can trade back within a tier. Like if you can flip your Puka Nakua for a Jamar Chase, a CeeDee oh Lamb, or Justin Jefferson, even if you need to add a second or a third round pick on top of it, you do that in a heartbeat. And if you can Easily. trade back to the, the the next tier and still get, you know, uh, if you can get Brandon Ayuk and a late first round pick for Puka Nakua, you, you got to do it. Even if Puka Nakua is the next coming of whoever and is going to be a perennial wide receiver one, the process tells us that it probably isn't sustainable and more likely than not, you're not going to regret trading back. Bingo. I mean, it, it, the reality is like it's a conservative play, especially if you can get a guy like Jamar Chase. I mean, he's 23 years old, right? Yeah. Jamar Chase is younger than Tank Dell, right? And I so, already see Jamar Chase is in the top five wide receiver takes. Get out of here. Get so, out of here. Send them to me. Tag me in every one of those. I love that. I love that. I will stuff. do. Uh, so, okay, let me ask you before we get in the next segment here and debate some players, but I want to ask what's your favorite format for Dynasty? Because we can. Like here, that this is a problem I run into, especially on like Reddit with and on Twitter all the time. Everybody in their mind 
is thinking about their league and their format, right? So somebody comments and says something, they're thinking about their super flex, full PPR league, tight end premium, blah, blah, blah. Whereas somebody else might comment and they're thinking about a normal one QB league. So like for you, what's, what's kind of your, what's your favorite format or like what format does your brain live in? So, so I'm kind of a sicko to be honest. I know a lot of people like being in like all the same leagues, you know, I'm only going to play in leagues that are 12 teams, super flex, tight end premium. I only like joining leagues if it's a format that I'm not already in. And Dude, I, I do be, the same thing. I do the yeah, same like if, if thing. Like, I, I, I need a guillotine. Exactly. Oh, they're yes. fun. You're we'll in? You in I need one. That's, yeah, the, we'll that's, that's the format one. I've been missing. I need one of those. Yeah. They're a blast. Yeah. Paul Chargy and his good friend of football guys, we'll, we'll get you in a guillotine. Okay, good. Year. They're fun. But that's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm a sicko. Like, if somebody says, like, hey, you know, I've got this 16-team, two-tight end league. I've never played in one of those before. Let's do it. Let's ride. Let's have some fun with this. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. think for me, if you ask what my favorite format is, it's just the deeper, the better. I like playing in deep, deep leagues. I feel like the deeper the league is, the less of a factor luck is. And I'm not even talking like 30 team leagues here. I'm talking deep rosters. Like I want to yes. be staring at my wide ref- wide receiver five spot and saying, do I start, you know, Noah Brown or Nelson Aguilar this weekend? Like that's the type of fantasy league that I want to be playing in. I want to be torn between, you know, uh, Deonta Foreman and Justice Hill. Like that's what I like are just these deep sicko leagues where those wide receiver fives and the running back fours and the fourth flex options. Those are the guys that you're tilting over every week. Yes, dude. The leagues that force you to start those guys is what I love. Mm -hmm. I love an excuse to get them in there, right? Because, you know, there's too many leagues where you're right, where it's like my bench is loaded and, you know, I don't like having to go out and like try and do two for ones and do all that. I like just being able to start all my boys, you know? And again, it gives you an advantage. That's why I, I swear I have. When people go out and try and cut the benches short and say they want waivers to be more active, that doesn't help the sharp gamer. That doesn't right. help the person that's that's got their ear to the streets. That helps the casual gamer. So mm-hmm. if you're a, a, a fantasy alarm member or a football guys member, you you want to add bench spots. My dog Luffy, you can hear in the background. She's all about. It. She's like, oh, add them up, yeah, yeah fire them up. Uh, so yeah, so let's just assume then deep league. With uh, full PPR, just normal type league like that, or or half PPR. What do you want? What do you yeah. like? Uh, I like full PPR. Okay. Um, you know, not, not I don't have a strong take one way or the other, but full PPR. You know, I, I like more points. It's fun looking at a 270 point lineup. You know, and yeah, I, I, I like more points. So give me PPR. Bingo. You know what I really like though? What I started doing this year, I got in a couple uh, half PPR and then half point per first down as well. And that's something that I, I don't. I feel like a lot of people aren't playing, and uh, we have that in the the league that that we do our our Twitter league. It's uh, yes. half first down, half point per reception, and I really like that because I feel like it is a perfect balance to kind of make running backs and wide receivers equally valuable. Yeah, well, first, I mean, when you boil down what football is, it's so funny. We do all this for fantasy football, like we're all these stats all over the place, and then you watch the game, and there's only two things that matter, right? First downs, downs and touchdowns. Yeah, right. And the and 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 I guess technically hoping the field goal goes through if you have to go. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. first downs, touchdowns. That's the game, baby. So I do love that. I also actually, uh, while we're talking format, I do like leagues. I, f- I found myself really liking the leagues where uh, fourth down stops or points for defense because Ooh. it because it you be a turnover. 
it's great. Yeah. And it's so exciting. And the players get so fired up. Right. So when you're actually watching your defense and you're like, oh, this is my defense here. And you're like, oh, wow, I can score th uh, three points for I like doing like three points for it because you're like, damn, I can get three points here. That's a lot of points. And then, you know, they make the stop and everyone's like, whoa, let's go. You know what and, I mean? And like, how is that? How is a fourth down stop any different? than an interception or a fumble. Yeah. You're forcing the offense to turn the ball over. They aren't getting any points and you're getting good field position. Like that's a huge swing a in hype, real life. It's a hype, hype like moment, that. man. It's a hype moment. So yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's get into some debates here. And I'm going to start with one. I'm going to go one debate, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, uh, tight end. And we might as well, I have a player that you've already talked about on here. So let's go right to it. Uh, these guys very close. And I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I know you're trying to take it easy. But uh, if you were in Dynasty right now and you had to pick between these two players, full PPR, who would you rather have, Nico Collins or Tank Dow? You're giving me some tough ones here. I, That's, I, I and they're the teammates, too. They're teammates, team. too, which is tough. That makes it even tougher, right? And now I know I'm supposed to have a strong take here because that's what fantasy football is all about. Coop, I completely copped out. These guys are my wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 21 back ah, back in my Dynasty rankings. Let's go. So – Who's 20? Who's 20? Collins. <laughs> okay. Collins. And I prefer Nico Collins. I do. Um, but the thing is, I have met wide receiver 20, which is way below consensus. Like, it is. You know, I've seen mock drafts where he's going top 10. I just had, you know, Alfredo Brown and I, we did a show about Dynasty Risers. He talked about Nico Collins and he said, Nico Collins is inside my top 12. And like, I'm the Nico Collins guy. Like, I have been touting this guy for years. Like, since he came into the league, I was saying, go out and get Nico Collins. But I just can't get behind this top 10, top 12 label that people are giving him now so i do prefer nico collins to tank dell but that could easily flip and what really jumps out to me weeks 9 through 12 that's when we saw tank dell like really emerge Star. before his injury and we were just like this guy is good we know it takes rookies some time to warm up so i've seen a lot of people look at well you know this is what tank dell did this year and this is what nico collins did this year i don't think that's really a fair assessment because it was Tank Dell's rookie season and year three for Nico Collins. Yeah, right. Nico Collins should have had a better start to the season. But weeks 9 to 12 before the injury, Tank Dell became a full-time player. And during those weeks, Nico Collins was still productive. Like, he scored a touchdown almost every single week, but the team was averaging almost 30 points per game. But if you look over that four-week stretch before the injury, Tank Dell had more targets, higher target share, had more receptions, had more yards per game, scored more touchdowns. And then there's this new metric that uh, Fantasy Points came out with. I don't know if you've seen this, the first read data. Like yeah, I have. That's, that's actually great because the coaches talk about that all the time. I yeah. just really interject. I saw the people – somebody asked uh, Sean McDermott about – why Dalton Kincaid wasn't more involved. And he mm -hmm. straight up said, well, he was the first read on a lot of plays, yeah. but they just didn't pan out the way they were supposed to. Like if the coaches are talking like that, then we should be looking at that. And during that week nine to 12 stretch, Tank Dell was the first read almost twice as often as Nico Collins. Right. So that was when we saw the switch where they basically made Tank Dell the wide receiver one in Houston. So that's what concerns me a little bit because then Tank Dell got hurt and then Nico Collins went on a tear. Nico Collins had a huge playoff game. And I think people are saying Nico Collins is the wide receiver one there. But we saw at the halfway point of the season, Tank Dell kind of took over. So that's why I don't dislike Nico Collins. I think that CJ Stroud and this offense is good enough that they can support two wide receivers here. But I, I really don't have a strong take between the two. I think Nico Collins is great. I think Tank Dell is great. But I think that, you know, by the midway point of next season, we could easily see Tank Dell jump ahead of Collins yeah I think that's and that's fair and honestly sometimes with these like new offenses and QB changes and stuff I worry sometimes when everybody 
is is blowing up that maybe it's just that the quarterback is really good right like yeah. so you look yeah. at it and i'm like okay well yeah these guys are blowing up i watched noah brown a guy who's done yeah not, back to back 150 yard games <laughs> like 300 yard games and i see you know the other team that concerns me too is the packers where i look at mm-hmm. it and i'm like did the packers actually hit on seven wide receivers or is jordan love just good you know so you have to ask yourself those questions because there are guys that can survive with doesn't matter right like andre johnson of course is this gold standard for who cares who's throwing it he's just a good player right. You know, Terry McCorn, I guess you could throw in that group, right? So, like, I don't know. In Dynasty, I have a hard time saying this guy is super elite no matter what in Dynasty for the next eight years, just like yourself. And it is hard to get over those labels. The wide receiver one label that comes with top 12. The wide, you know, the top 10 wide receiver label. So, uh, I'm, you know, right I'm now I'm now. seeing Nico Collins, who we, we can't forget. Yeah, he was a wide receiver one last year. I'm not taking away from what he did. 18 points per game. That's unbelievable. But for the two years before that, he was averaging seven points per game. And yeah, he didn't have a good quarterback, but guess what? He's only got one year left on his contract with Houston. What happens if he hits free agency and he doesn't have a good quarterback again? Then all of a sudden we're looking at him as a wide receiver four, wide receiver five in a new offense. And and the fact that we have guys like Devontae Smith and Brandon Ayuk and DJ Moore who have shown us rock-solid profiles regardless of what offense they're on, regardless of who the quarterback is for extended years, that after one good season, we're throwing Nico Collins ahead of all those guys. I just, I love Nico Collins, but I can't get behind it. Devonta Smith won the Heisman. And we just forgot about it. You know, I'll tell you. He was top 12 wide receiver production on a team with A.J. Brown. Like with or without A.J. Brown, he's been elite. you You want me to make that take you just had even scarier? My my comp for Nico Collins coming out of college it was Kenny Galladay. Oh, which if he were he, which Kenny Galladay did have a one thousand yard ten uh-huh. touchdown season, but uh-huh. then he went to play with a bad quarterback. So literally, what you said, like both these guys, Nico Collins, Kenny Galladay, again, you know, it's like Kenny Galladay was a good player, third round pick. They ran literally the same exact forty mm-hmm. time. They're the same height. Big. They're the same way. Yep. Yeah, they they were picked like really oh four four picks apart. Yeah. So yeah. let's move on. I really want to think about that because I have, <laughs> I have a ton of Nico Collins myself. So same. let's go. Uh, let's go over. We'll go to, trade it for Brandon Ayuk. That's what you should be doing with Nico Collins. I, uh, well, <laughs> if you can do that, then you do that. Yeah. Um, let's go over to let's go over to tight end because you and I have actually talked about this in the past. So I want to get your thoughts on two guys. We're way up at the top here. Two guys we both like. Uh, Sam Laporta and Trey McBride. And this one I'll allow you to cop out because I have a cop out answer. But what, <laughs> what are your thoughts? If you had to rank them full, let's say full PPR right now, if you had to rank these guys, so who are you going to put ahead? I got Trey McBride as my tight end one. I do. And I've got a tier at the top. And it is three young guys. And I don't know if you'll push back on this too much. Coop, I always defer to you for tight end discussion because this is what you do. You're great at it. But I've got Trey McBride, Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid. That's my one, two, and three all in the same tier. And right now, I think people prefer Sam Laporta. And this is one of those situations. If I can trade Sam Laporta and get Trey McBride plus a second round pick, plus even a third round pick, you know, whatever it is, if I can trade back and flip my Laporta shares into McBride shares with a cherry on top, I'm running to the bank with that. Um, And and I, and I think there's a lot of context missing um, with Trey McBride's career as a whole so far. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to say is, well, Sam Laporta did this as a rookie and Trey McBride did it in year two. I am willing, and I don't do this often, I'm willing to just throw McBride's rookie season away. The Cliff King, Kingsbury offense was terrible. Um, he was playing behind Zach Ertz. 
Kyler Murray got injured. I, I don't think we really got a chance to see what McBride was capable of. He was blocking on over 50% of his snaps his rookie right. season. And then we saw it this year. He started to develop into a pass catcher. He started taking over for Zach Ertz's role before the injury. It was after the injury that he really exploded. And if you look, man, from week eight onward, when he became a full-time player, top three in targets, top three in receptions, top three in yards, top five in routes run, top five in targets per routes run, top three or top five in yards per route run. I mean, he was just smashing across the board. Yeah, Laporta caught touchdowns and Laporta had more fantasy points. But if you look at the underlying metrics, I think Trey McBride is just the better player. And then on top of that, He's tied to Kyler Murray for the foreseeable future, and we know Kyler Murray loves tight ends. So I'm going with McBride over Laporta here. Yeah, and in full PPR, I honestly I feel the same way. Then that's the cop out is that the argument for Laporta is that in half PPR or standard touchdowns and and kind of the play style, he is more of like honestly he plays a lot more in line. People are surprised to find that he blocks in like 10% of his pass plays, plays a lot of in line. He's kind of going like the George Kittle Gronk route to some degree, uh, even though he's not really that level of blocker at this stage. But that's kind of how they're using him, where in full PPR, I want guys that are playing wide receiver. I want Trey McBride. I want Dalton Kincaid. I actually got some Dalton Kincaid cards coming in the mail. I just now got into uh, – I, I do this every year. I do like uh, football, like fantasy ends, and I get into dry January, and I'm like, let me get into a ridiculous hobby and just take it way, uh, like way over the top. It's cards. it's cards for me right now. Yeah, right. It's, it's football cards. So, but I'm sure I'll be done with it. Like, like, you know, I've done shoes, watches, whatever it's going to be. But that's what it is right now. But I got some Kincaids coming. But I'll tell you, the McBride, like where he's set up right now. The other thing for Dynasty you have to 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 keep in mind is that what are the odds that he gets pushed out of being a top two target on the team? Right? Because you there's very few guys that become the focal point. Yeah, zero. Right, so there's very few guys. Harrison Jr. and he's still going to get 100 plus targets next year. Exactly, he's still there. Marquise Brown's probably gone, right? And you look at it, and with Sam Laporta, all these talks about them bringing a split end because they have a great slot flanker and Amon Ross Brown. Split end, they're using Josh Reynolds, and then they have the field stretcher in Jameis Williams. What happens if they do bring in a Mike Evans or T Higgins? Now it's a nightmare, right? But if you throw T Higgins, they lose Ben Johnson. I think that's right. the other thing people don't want to talk about is, I mean, the offense has been good. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of that could be attributed to Ben Johnson. They're losing Ben Johnson. He does. Exactly. They're losing yeah. Ben Johnson. There's no, yeah, there's not enough forward money out in the world to, for him to not want to be a head coach. Right. Like he's, he's going somewhere else. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's very close. And I think the, the real takeaway here is if you can trade, Honestly, if you could trade one for the other and get a little something extra, you do it. Like, honestly, both ways. Like, if I had Trey McBride and somebody offered me Sam Laporta and a second, I might just do that. You know what I mean? Just give me – it's close enough. I'll take them both. But if you can get in full PPR, go the other way, then that's the way I'm going. And don't Joey, do what I'm not saying here. Sam Laporta is freaking awesome. All right. I'm not saying yeah, exactly. Like, right. Sam Laporta isn't great. I'm not saying sell Sam Laporta for whatever you can. I'm just saying if you can get a Trey McBride or a Dalton Kincaid with some extra on top, I think you're staying in a pretty similar tier, similar to trading back from Jamar Chase last year for a CD Brown. I think that or a CD Lamb. I just think it's a smart process to try to get a similar right. value of player and get additional assets on top of that. These guys are good. They're going to be good for a long time. I feel the same way about Kincaid. I feel the same way about Coppets, you know, but that's another take for another day. Joey right in the chat wants to know when we're doing poll perception. <laughs> I am retired from poll perception. I And I actually won last time I was on Front Yard Fantasy, so take that, Joey. 
Uh, and Joey, by the way, I need to know when I listened to your your episode the other day. I need to know when your Oscar picks are coming out because uh, that's what I root for every year. Whoever Joey roots for, because he's the movie master in my room. I say the Iron Claw not getting a single nomination I, is a travesty. I gotta I watch that. Believe it. That's the one with um, what's his name, the handsome guy there. Well, Zach Efron. All those guys, Zach Efron. and Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, the two very handsome guys. But yeah, dude, yeah, it yeah. is just like this not, show. I didn't know what I was. Exactly. Look at us. I, I didn't expect to walk out. I mean, like the movie ended and everybody stayed in their seats for like three minutes and you just hear sniffling throughout the entire theater. It is one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. So go like okay. late at night if you're embarrassed about like going around with like red puffy eyes. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a rough one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch that one at home. I watch yeah. that one at home. Yeah. It's it's one of those ones where afterwards you're like, I'm not crying. I just have something something in both my eyes. No, I'm not kidding. I went to the bathroom really in the movie in theater after, and it's just like five guys like all wiping their eyes in the mirror. <laughs> Get their it's hand rough. on the mirror. They're like, oh. <laughs> rough, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're not going to be able to get to the mock draft, I don't think, today. Let's let's finish up on a couple of these ones. Maybe, maybe we can jump in and look at it. We'll see. We got to be out uh, before 2 o'clock because we have the uh, – the better sports betting show coming up. Dan Servadidio serving up some awesome picks. So make sure you stay tuned after this on the Fantasy Alarm channel. But uh, let's hit a couple more. I want to add this one is very difficult for me. You and I didn't talk about this one in advance, but I'm just having a hard time with it because I've people I've I've had a couple questions on it. And I really it's a hard stance, man. Uh, quarterback Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, right? And the thing with them is that you just you don't really get much more mobility out of one than the other. I know Herbert is capable of it. Doesn't really, they're both capable of it and don't really do it much. So like, I don't know, man, like where are you at with these two guys, dude? I got nothing for you. Throw them in a tier, right? Just throw them in a tier and whatever is whatever. And again, we make so much of this whole thing where it's like, you have to have a stance and you have to have a take and you have to have a trade, but I don't know, man. Give me something. QB 6A, QB 6B. I got nothing for you. That's where I'm at too. That's where I'm at too. Monday morning on our show, um, Alfredo and I, we, we talked about our QB tiers and that's exactly what we said. We, we both like we, Alfredo and I were in lockstep on QB one through QB seven. And when we got to Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, we said, well, who do you prefer? And both of us just kind of shrugged and said, right. they're, they're both really good. There's like no differentiating factor between the two. I, I right. can't give you anything. Not age, right? Like, and you know, Burrow might lose T Higgins, but Keenan Allen's getting up there, right? Mike, Mike Williams is going to miss games no matter what, right? Like, so it's almost just like it is – my policy is this. If I have them, I'm happy to have them. I'm not looking yeah. to move them. I'm just going to sit there and, and hang tight, man. So It's one of those like the other. Like, if, if somebody out there really loves Justin Herbert and you can flip Joe Burrow for Justin Herbert Plus or vice versa, do it. But I don't think you're getting that. I think everybody kind of looks at these two as just the, – there's such similar players. Yeah. It's really hard. Maybe Justin Herbert gets some steam when they sign Jim Harbaugh, and then maybe you can – I don't know. But I, I really just don't have a strong stance here. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Better boss in the chat, Matt Deutsch, yeah. producing the show today. You know, honestly, I'm with you. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they are tied together. They're best friends or whatever. So, that's – you know what? If you – whatever you need to split split those hairs and split them. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm with you. All right, last one here. These are uh, – we've been – kind of operating near the top of the rankings here to some degree. So I'm going to go a little deeper at running back. Two guys have been gaining a lot of steam in the dynasty world. Uh, on one hand, you got Jalen Warren, who is mm-hmm. our generation's so 
Tony Pollard, right? Like, I'm just, I'm glad that Jacob Sanderson, Sanderson's going to come on the show late uh, in February, but I'm glad that Sanderson and Marcus Mosier, they got a new Tony Pollard here that to demand that he gets more carries. Uh, so that's Jalen Warren. And then on the other side, Zamir White is, you know, uh, shout out John and Pemba, who uh, we got to bring up one of his guys. He's been a big Zamir White guy, just kind of waiting for the moment where Jacobs goes away. So if you were going to pick one of these guys, who would you rather have? have you know stashed away zamir white for me i i I love zamir white the two guys that i was like screaming from the mountaintops last offseason were zamir white and ty chandler and for the first three months of the season i was like oh god what what did i do recommending these guys and then we finally saw like a little taste of it at the end of the season i just think they're such good football players zamir white he's got everything i want to see in an nfl running back you know he ran a 4-4 flat at six foot two fifteen. Like that is just Big. elite yeah. speed, elite size. Like he, he's the opposite he of Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is like small, slow. Yeah. And Zamir White, sorry. big sorry, fast. I know. Yeah. Sorry, Andrew, but that's the way it goes, dude. You but know, I, I love Zamir White. Being I, behind Josh Jacobs, it's not his fault. He was buried. And I thought, like, I was trying to buy Zamir White two years ago because Josh McDaniels always runs a running back by committee. I said, we're going to see a lot of Zamir White. And then Josh Jag- Josh McDaniels just bucked his trend and just turned Josh Jacobs into a workhorse. Then we saw it with Antonio Pierce. I don't know if you saw, I tweeted this out this morning, Coop. Um, I was looking into Zamir White because I really like him. Fifth in the league in yards after contact per attempt. We're looking at Devon Achan. Took the league by storm. Jonathan Taylor, perennial stud. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery behind, you know, one of the best offensive lines in the league. They get to hit defenders with a whole head of steam. And then Zamir White, fifth in the league in yards after contact per attempt. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, when you dig, I did see your tweet, and when you dig deeper into those numbers, some of these guys that lead in those stats, they're not necessarily even the best at it. Whereas Zamir White is, when you watch him run, he's generating the extra yards. Sometimes that stat is misleading when you have Devon Achan and somebody gets he a gets hand an on arm him. on him in the backfield. Exactly. Then he goes for 75. Takes, there were right. years where Raheem Mostert with the 49ers, yep. you'd look at his yards after contact and they would be massive. The yep. one year he was like the yards per contact per rush for him was like 30 yards because he played three games. He had a 70-yard touchdown against the Jets and a 70-yard receiving touchdown against the Cardinals where he got touched at the line. Yep. And if you looked at the yards for contact, it was like, what the – this isn't any guy that's breaking tackles, right? You know what I mean? So, White, his 2.3 yards after contact per attempt come from him pushing a defender like a cannonball 2.3 yards every exactly. single time he touches the ball. Yeah. Right. So that's not – and that's not to say that Jalen Warren isn't a good player, but, I mean, the reality is that Najee Harris is still under contract next year. And I'll tell you what, it's not crazy. When you look at the league not wanting to pay running backs, it's not crazy – and people are going to be – just imagine the Twitter sphere if they pick up the fifth-year option of Najee, on Najee Harris. I mean, it's, it's, it's not crazy. Gonna we say it's, it's not going to happen, but, but you know what happens? Happen. Sometimes they say, hey, we like this player. We don't want to give him multiple years. Well, let's just keep him for a year, you know? So, I, yep. I mean – and then they're we'll gonna franchise out. him the year after. <laughs> dude, and then he won't be a free agent for the first time until he's 28. If they did that, yep. dude, that would yep. be wild. Uh, but anyway, you know what? We gotta jump out of here because Matt Deutsch, our producer, is gonna be jumping over to do the better sports show after this. So everyone stay tuned. Boogie, thank you so much for coming on, man. You're the best, dude. I'm sure we'll link up again this offseason. Let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter, what you got going on coming up soon. I know you're on your your yacht tour. You're only doing radio shows and you only pop in to talk a little ball, but coming up soon, you're going to be back on the grind. So let everybody know what you got going on. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. Uh, we're doing the Football Guys Fantasy Football Show with myself and Alfredo Brown. You can find that at youtube.com slash football guys. Uh, we're only doing one episode a week right now, but you can catch that on Monday afternoons and then start to ramp up. You know, we're getting into some uh, draft discussion and rookie talks here in the next few weeks. And then, uh, you know, we always talk about how, like, it's the off season. We're chilling. We're relaxing. But before we know it, training camps are here. Rookie camps are here. We're going to be talking free agency. I, I, I'm i especially excited about this year's free agency class. Yes. I mean, you just look around. It is wild how many big name free agents, especially at the running back position, are out there. That's what I'm looking forward to is talking free agency in a couple of weeks. But yeah, going to be a, a fun off season. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Everybody in the chat, thanks for hanging out. Matt Deutsch, behind the glass, thank you. And that'll do it for us. We'll be back next Wednesday with more Dynasty Talk here on Quick Outs Fantasy Football. Let's go.